Hebrews chapter 6. Put your finger in it, and then we're going to stand and confess over the word of God tonight. Everybody ready? Okay, let's go together. Ready, go. This is my Bible. It is the inspired, infallible, immutable word of God. I long for it more than my necessary food. I love it, and I'm never offended. I live by it, and I prosper in whatever I do. The word I'm about to receive will sanctify me, build me up, and give me an inheritance among the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Hebrews chapter 6. Let's read verses 11 through 20. Can you stand just a few more moments? Hebrews 6, verses 11 through 20. When you get there, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, let's read that together. Ready? Read. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, He swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Um, verse 11 and 12 says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience. Verse 15 says, and so after he, Abraham, had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. He obtained the promise. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, Whatever you've been believing God for, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. Tell somebody else, ooh, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your, for your word we received tonight with thanksgiving. We receive it with meekness, knowing is able to save our souls. We receive it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, your word, which works effectively in those who believe, we believe your word. Speak to us from heaven. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. Hallelujah. One of the greatest challenges of living by faith is wearing or weathering the and seasons. One of the greatest challenges of living by faith. How many of y'all are living by faith? The just shall live by faith. One of the greatest challenges of living by faith is weathering the and seasons of life. What are and seasons, Pastor? 
There are the seasons between seed time and harvest. How many seed sowers do I have in here? It's the season between seed time and harvest. The seasons between believing you receive and having. Remember in Mark 6, 23, 24, if you believe you receive, then you shall have, and you will have. So notice that between seed time and harvest, there's an and, there's a space there. Between believing you receive and having, there's an and there. It's, it's, it's the same season as between God said and it came to pass. So we know that God has made promises. Second Chronicles, Second Corinthians, rather, 120. All the promises of God, they are yes. And in him, amen. Yes, and in him, amen. So, so the problem that we have generally is that time of the and. It's the and season. Seed time, you're happy. Harvest time, you're going to be really happy. But it's the end. It's the in-between, the, the frustrating time in between that can cause a lot of consternation, that can cause a lot of frustration in our lives. And you and I have to learn to weather those seasons. Hallelujah. And if we aren't careful, those seasons can lead to doubt. Can, they can lead to unbelief, anxiousness, and frustration. So we must do like... Um, you know, those of us who, who are native Floridians and never lived outside of Florida, we're not too familiar with uh, something called weatherization. But those who've lived in, in uh, Kentucky and uh, New York and Chicago and, you know, uh, Michigan, uh, Ohio, you know about something called weatherization. Am I right about it? That when uh, this time that we sort of you know, look forward to a little bit, you know, a little cool down. Up north, they have to actually, actually prepare their homes and RVs and all those things for this weather because their, their cold isn't like our cold. Their, their cold is bitter cold. And, and the homes generally can't, can't stand up to uh, the, the, the effects of that bitter cold uh, we don't know anything about it. I mean, I, I learned this um, staying with, with the, the Durbers a few times uh, in the winter. And uh, when, when we, we would leave the house, we'd have to leave a little water on. Am I right about it? You have to leave the water on in the faucet. One little drip. Because if you didn't, you come home, all your pipes would be frozen or burst open. Any of y'all up north people know about that? Uh, you, if, you have to weatherize. You have to prepare yourself for the season of winter. See, we're just so used to it. We, we, only thing we prepare for is hurricane season. But up there, up north, they prepare for, for, for the winter season. The winter season is a time when things sort of go dull and things sort of get overcast and gray and nothing really grows, nothing's happening that we can see. Nothing's happening that we can see. But there's always something happening. It's just that in those winter seasons, you can't see what's happening beneath the surface. Hallelujah. I learned this years ago from one of the guys who was doing landscaping told me, he's, you know, I said, you know, I figure wintertime, y'all don't really do anything. He said, no, we got to work hard in the wintertime. 
So because in wintertime, you got to help, help prep that lawn for the spring. He said there's a lot of stuff happening underground that you cannot see. That if you don't prep that lawn, you're not going to have a lush green lawn come spring. So, so even in the wintertime, something is happening. Tell your neighbor, something is happening. So what you have to do is learn to weatherize our souls against the wintry effects of the end season. I say it again for the slow people. We have to learn to winterize our souls, to weatherize our souls against the wintry effects of the end season. Because you're going to go through the end season. <laughs> Sometimes your end seems so long. The time between you spoke it, the time between you believed it, the time between uh, the time that you sowed the seed, it's a long time before you get manifestation. And I can tell you, I, in fact, I, I, I confessed this to you all a couple of Sundays ago when I was dealing with uh, those containing spirits, uh, that, that part of my frustration was, God, how long is it going to take to manifest what you said? I'm going to come over here. What you said. I didn't say it. It wasn't my idea. You said it. Well, when are you going to do what you said you're going to do? So I have to learn, and you and I must learn to weatherize our souls for that time of the winter. In Luke 21, 19, Jesus says this to the disciples. He says, by your patience, possess your souls. So by your patience, you're going to keep, retain, protect, guard your soul by your patience. Your patience is what's going to get you through the, through the wintry season of your life. Through that end season when you're waiting and you're uh, on the borderline frustrated and borderline anxious and borderline uh, ready to quit. I know it's never happened to anybody else besides the front row people. But, but there have been times you've been on the verge of quitting. And not, not quitting on God, you love God, but quitting on that thing you've been believing for. Not quitting on Jesus, you love Jesus Christ, but you're, you're like, you know what, just forget it. It's, it ain't worth it, I'm tired. Maybe it wasn't God's will, doubt. Maybe God doesn't move like that anymore, unbelief. What's happening over there? Why doesn't it happen to me? Anxiousness. Frustration. Are you hear what I'm saying to you? And so by patience, the Bible says, we must possess our souls. Because here's the truth. Tell your neighbor, here's the truth. If we sow, we will reap. <laughs> if you sow, you will reap. If you faint not. So obviously Paul said that in Galatians 6, 9 about reaping if you faint not because you knew there's going to come a, when, when you sow, there's going to be some oppression, some, uh, as, as uh, I learned from, from Dad Derber, oppression is simply opposite pressure or opposing pressure. So whenever you are sowing or whatever you are believing, whenever you are hearing a word from God, you're going to have opposing pressure to try to keep you 
uh, uh, one of the things that happens in storm patterns is a high pressure system. When, when, when low pressure meets high pressure, uh, what happens in the, in the atmosphere? Storms happen in the atmosphere. And the only thing that, that can keep a storm away or keep a storm at bay is when high pressure meets high pressure. So the devil's going to always come with high pressure. But if you're trying to meet his high pressure with your low pressure on the word, you're going to have a long enduring storm. But if you can meet his high pressure with equal or higher pressure, the storm won't last too long. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Okay? So if we sow, we will reap. If we believe we receive it, we will have it. If God said it, it will come to pass. Are you hearing me? In Numbers 23, verse 19, Numbers 23, verse 19, a very familiar text to many of us. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man. Isn't that good? That's already good right there. <laughs> God is not a man that he should lie. That he should lie. So that tells you men lie. Uh, let me help you ladies. Mankind. Not just men. Because women lie too. Oh yes they do. But God is not a human that he should lie. Nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said? And will he not do? Or has he spoken? And will he not make it good? You can rest yourself on this fact that if God said it, he will do it. And if he spoke it, he will make it good. What does that mean, spoken and make it good? That means when God speaks something, it's not that way when he spoke it. But the moment he spoke it, he sets things in motion to make it good. Once God releases the word, everything in the whole universe begins to line up, conform, to cause that word to manifest in your life. Are you following with me? Luke chapter 1, verse uh, 37, I believe, is, believe it is, an Amplified Classic, says that no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. No word from God shall be without power or possible of fulfillment. For with God, nothing is ever impossible. And no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. That's a Christmas season word right there. For with God, nothing is ever impossible. And no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. No word. So if he said it, he'll do it. And if he spoke it, he will make it good. In fact, God said, catch this, you're going to like this part. We can speak his word and he will make it good. <laughs> we can speak his word. Not only will his word not return to him void, but his word spoken through us will not return to him void. So you and I have the authorization 
to speak God's word, to speak God's promises, you have in your Bible, in your lap, y'all have your Bibles, y'all paper Bibles, you have a whole bag full of seed. You have a whole book full of promises. This is not a book of do's and don'ts. It's a book of promises. The do's and the don'ts, all those are are guidelines to make sure that you are fitting in line for the promises. So this whole book of promises, God has given us authorization to speak out these promises and he will make them good. Do you remember a couple years ago we we, uh, dwelt on a scripture, uh, Psalm number 81 verse 10? Just say yes. Yes. Psalm 81 verse 10, when God said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. So I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of that darkness, out of that world system, out of the trap of the enemy. He said, now what you do now that I brought you out is you have the authority now to open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Meaning, on one, in one sense, um, c- closed mouths don't get fed. Y'all ever heard that phrase? Closed, mu- closed mouths don't get fed. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his lips, fruit of his mouth. But on the other hand, uh, this is an agreement with what God said through Isaiah. He said, I create the fruit of the lips. So whatever you utter out of your mouth, when you open your mouth wide, I will fill it. Or I will, watch this, like Amazon, fulfill it. What you order, what you decree, he says, I will fulfill it. So my word will not return to me void. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh, the 103rd Psalm, uh, give me 103rd Psalm, verse uh, 20. Give me verse 20. Verse 20. 103rd Psalm, verse 20. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who what? Do his word, heeding the what? That word voice is the same, it's the Hebrew word for sound. So the, the angels, y'all know the angels. They excel in strength. They do his word. They heed the voice or the sound of of his word. Now, when they hear the sound of his word, it doesn't matter to them whether it comes from him or it comes from you. They heed the sound of his word. Right? We know Hebrews 1.14 that the angels are are not they all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for for those who are theirs or who will inherit salvation? So ministers, so the angels are ministering spirits. They're sitting on standby, waiting to minister for us. They're waiting on us to release the sound of his word. Y'all get off your cell phone now. You got to listen to this. Listen to this. You got to listen to this. They're waiting to respond to the sound of his word, whether it comes from him or it comes from you. So when you release the word, angels now are under divine orders to move throughout the earth 
to cause whatever needs to happen to take place. I see LaWanda sitting there. I was reminded of years ago, LaWanda, I don't remember, was maybe when you first came to the church, it was early on, and uh, you were at that time uh, believing God for a job. And uh, I think it was with the city of St. Pete you were trying to get on with that time. You came and asked Pastor Kim and I to agree with you, to pray with you. And we, we, we sat right there and we took authority. And we, I remember specifically, we commanded. We didn't just say, Lord, please help Luanda get a job. We took authority. We used our authority. And we said, we said angels, go and get her application, her resume, and put it on top of the pile. Well, you can't do that. What happened, Lawanda? She found out from those who hired her that her resume ended up on the top of the pile. See, I don't know if you know the authority that you have as an heir of salvation. But the angels... They give heed to the voice, the sound of his word. Now, give me Psalm 81, verse 10 again. Psalm 81, verse 10 again. Hallelujah. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. What are you going to do now? Open your mouth wide. Come on. And I will fill it. Give me that same verse in the uh, CEV, Contemporary English Version, please. Read it with me. Ready? Read. I'm the Lord your God. Come on. I rescued you from Egypt. Just ask. And I will give you. Anybody need anything? What did he say? Just ask. You don't have to beg, manipulate, make a deal with God. Just ask, and I will give you whatever you need. Give me that same verse in the Living Bible, please. The Living Bible. Y'all ready? Let's read it. Ready? Go. For it was I, Jehovah your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Only test me. Open your mouth wide and see if I won't fill it. You will receive every blessing you can use. Hallelujah. Ask your neighbor, could you use a few blessings? Could you use a few blessings? Could you use some extra blessings this Christmas season? Could you use some blessings in 2024 that you haven't had in 2023? Could you use a blessing or two? Could you? I can use some blessings. I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I'm content where I am. But God, I can use, I can use some blessings. Yes, I mean, I'm satisfied with Jesus alone. But I can use some blessings. I mean, if he's going to give them to me, I'll take them. I'm going to use them. Y'all ain't, some of y'all ain't saying, ah, that's being greedy. No, he said, if you can use them, I can give them to you. Wait a minute. This wasn't my idea. This is his idea. He offered. This ain't greedy. This ain't materialistic. He offered. This ain't me begging God. God, you know, you know, you ought to do something for me. No, he said, he said, I want to do something for you. I want to bless you. I want to give you something that you can use. Could you use, could you use an extra vehicle or could you? Could you use extra extra room in your house? Or? How many could use an extra bathroom? Listen. 
Well, what are you going to use it for? Well, you don't have to use it on you. You can use it to bless somebody else. He said every blessing you can use. It's up to you how you use it. I'm just going to give it to you. I, was, I went to this place I go to that, that repairs all my watches for me and changes the batteries, keep them all functioning, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, I was there, and she had, the lady had this, uh, uh, it's like a letter opener, but it's a maritime uh, brass. I don't even think I showed you. I, I stuck it in my drawer. And uh, this kind of brass thing, and she was like, hey, because she likes me. I'm a regular customer. I'm always nice, and we talk about the word, and I kind of encourage her and all that kind of good stuff. And... Uh, she said, hey, could you use this? And I was like, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I was thinking, no. Nah. She said, well, it's, it's nice. She said, I'll polish it all up and make it all nice for you. She said, you can give it away or something. I said, well, all right, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> Did you need that? No. Can I use it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you never know what kind of check's coming in the mail. I don't open that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brother Chris been trying to, trying to give away a kayak or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> Some, almost a brand new thing. He's trying to give, just give it to somebody. No, nobody want it. I mean, uh, should I, should I say, no, 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 that's what I mean. Nobody needs it, but they can use it. It's gone now. There you go. See? See how it all works out. Give me that same verse in the Passion. Remember this in the Passion, right? Yes, Can we read that? I know it's small. Let's look at it. Ready? Go. I'm your only God, the living God. Wasn't I the one who broke the strongholds over you and raised you up? Open your mouth with a mighty decree. I will fulfill it now. You'll see the words that you speak. Did y'all see that? Open your mouth with a mighty decree. I will fulfill it now. You'll see the words that you speak. So shall it be. So it looks to me like God is authorizing us to decrease some things in the earth and saying, you can, you can obligate me. Y'all didn't catch that. Well, I don't know who you think you are. I didn't say it. He said it. I don't think I'm anybody. But if God said it, he obligated himself to that. Are y'all following this? You and I don't have to try to conjure anything up, manipulate God and twist his arm. And No, he, he said, you, you, you speak it, I'll do it. Now speak anything? No, you got to find it in his word. You got to find a basis for it in his word. You can't just say anything willy-nilly out of your head. Because the devil give you all kind of creepy stuff to come up with. So it's got to be based in his word. Right? But once you speak it, he said, I'm obligated to bring it to pass. Are y'all catching this? Now, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 11. They started my clock tonight. <laughs> so you ain't going to go all night past on us. Hebrews 11, verse 32. <laughs> Remember, we've been looking at this verse on Sundays. 32 and 33, I'm just going to read this, this portion. What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets. Verse 33, who through faith, you want to make sure you highlight that, underline that, circle it, whatever. Through faith, subdue kingdoms, work righteousness, obtain promises, stop the mouths of lions. I don't want to talk about that. They, through faith, obtained promises, obtained promises. They obtain promises. How do they do it again? Through faith. Through faith. So notice that again, they obtained promises. All the promises of God, they are yes. And in him, amen, amen they are yes. Now watch this. Every one of us, if you're a child of God, we used to sing a song, standing on the promises of Christ my King, right? All those promises. Now we used to sing those things but I'm not sure how many Christians actually understood standing on promises. We sang it. Promises that cannot fail. We sang it. But I'm not sure how many Christians ever learned or ever learned today how to actually stand on those promises. Because most Christians that I was surrounded by before coming into this ministry and, you know, so on and so forth, as we've developed, most of you have come in here just like this, that the promises were aloof. The promises were ethereal. They were imaginary. They were, um, they were, they were really unattainable. Or they were, watch this, inspirational. The promises were inspirational. Like, like, um, I know y'all don't go to the dog track. It's still out there. Um, or the horse races. But at least this is how it used to be. I don't know how it still is, how it is today. But what they would do to get the horses or to get the dogs to run on the track was they would put some object in front of the dogs that the dogs would come out of the gate chasing that object. The, the, the intent was they never catch the object. But it was inspirational. They never obtained. They just ran. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Give me um, 1 Corinthians 9 around verse 27. Give me 1 Corinthians 9 around verse 27. I know there's not in notes. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27. Um, give me, add like 27, 28, 29. I'm trying to find the scripture that I'm looking for. Uh, 24? Okay, let's call them all out. 24, there you go. There you go. 24. Who said 24? You did? She said. You said 26. You said 24. Let me see. Let me see. Thank you. 
All right. Okay, 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Not running for fun. Lord, I'm running, trying to make a hundred, nine and nine and a half won't do. Lord, I'm running. So we were running, but we were only trying to attain the promise. Not the promises. Not understanding that along the way to obtaining the promises, there are all kinds of goodies, all kinds of promises that God has for us along the way that are just as obtainable as the promise. Tell your neighbor, you're going to get it. Ooh, you're going to get it. You're going you, you to get it. I'm not running just to run. I'm running that I might obtain. And God doesn't dangle the proverbial carrot in front of your eyes to just in, in, to tease you. In fact, what God does is he's going to help you obtain. God knows, my wife and I have watched God do this in our lives many times. We've watched God, when we were trying to obtain something, we go so far, but then what God would do is he bring it closer to us. In other words, our faith would get us so far, but then his grace would come along and bring it, the promise, right down to where we made it. Because God, God is like the teacher who wants you to pass a test. He wants you to get an A. And he's going to give you the answers. He's going to come on. No, that's, no, that's not. No, do that. Are you following what I'm saying to you? God wants you to get it. He, you're going to get it. I said, you're going to get it. Tell somebody you're going to get it. So the promises are not inspirational. They're not hypothetical. They're meant to be obtained. That word obtain from the Cambridge Dictionary, I want you to look at what it means, obtain from the Cambridge Dictionary. It means to get something, especially by asking for it, buying it, working for it, or producing it from something else. To get something, especially by asking for, we know we're supposed to ask for things. Then it says buying it, buy the truth and sell it not, working for it, or producing it from something else. So you and I can produce it, the promise, from something else. What's our something else? Through faith, 
these men obtained the promises. So your faith has the ability to produce something. So don't leave the promises in the hypothetical arena. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Ghost. How many, how many of y'all have or have ever had, I know you don't probably have this anymore, have ever had inspirational clothing in your closet? Okay, let me describe inspirational clothing because none of y'all know what I'm talking about. Inspirational clothing is the clothing that you bought in hopes of fitting it one day. You know you're a good size 14 and the clothes are a size 10. You're a strong 14. The women I'm, the women I'm talking about when I say that. You're a strong 14, the clothes are 10, but you open one day, baby. One day I'm gonna get in that. That's, it's inspirational. But if you don't, if you don't, if you don't work for it, you'll never obtain it. Come on, man. You know you're a solid 40 on the waist, and you bought some 32s. Or your wife bought your 32, trying to inspire you, honey, honey, honey. It's inspirational. But, but you, you, it's hard to obtain it. That's a long road. I remember back when I was a 32 boy, that was like eighth grade, maybe. Praise God. So, we're trying to obtain. Now remember Hebrews 11.33, Hebrews 11.33 says, who through faith subdued, worked, obtained. Subdued, worked, obtained. So if you're going to obtain a promise, you're going to have to do it through or by faith. faith. Now go back to Hebrews 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, because faith is going to get it, right? Yes, faith is going to get it. Well, what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Watch this. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. King James says a good report. So this one-on-one, -on -one, the basic definition of that, understanding of that is they, they had a good testimony that they pleased God like Enoch did. They, they, they walked right, they pleased God. But an even deeper testimony, a revelation of that, is that they got a good testimony, a good report. They, in other words, things were, were uh, against them, things were uh, opposite them, but they overcame and they subdued and they obtained by faith. And they brought back a good report. I got a good testimony. How many of y'all want to have some good testimonies? Hallelujah. I grew up in a church. We had testifying service. I want to first give honor to God ahead of my life to the pastor, the saints, and the friends on their places, on respective places. I just wanted to let y'all know the devil been all on my track trying to turn me back. Y'all pray for me. I'm running for my life. 
My head hurt, my tooth hurt, my pinky toe hurt, my navel hurts. Y'all pray for me. You know the words of prayer. Pray for me. That ain't no testimony. That's just moaning. No, a good testimony is the devil came, he tried, I whipped his butt, and I took back everything he stole from me. That's a good testimony. All right? God's kingdom is a faith kingdom. It's a faith kingdom. Whatever I get in the kingdom must come by faith. Must come by faith. Faith latches on to God's promises and never lets go. Faith latches on to God. I'm going to show you this here in a moment. Y'all just give me a little time. It latches on God's promises and never lets go. Why? Why not? Because faith is substance. Faith is evidence. You got it? Faith doesn't have or need substance. Faith is substance. It doesn't need evidence. Faith is evidence. Hebrews 11 verse 1, right? Okay. So here's the, the issue is, do I, do I really trust God and do I believe God will do what he said? Okay. Do I really trust God? Do I really believe God will do what he said? Now, I'm, just, I'm, I'm helping, I'm, uh, if you allow, I'm helping you the same way the Holy Ghost helped me. Because this is what the, the, the conversation I've been having with God the last couple weeks. That when I was in that battling place, he took me to Hebrews 6. So I'm bringing out to you what we've been dealing with together over the last couple weeks here. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. Now, Hebrews 6, go back there. Because the writer, who I believe is Apostle Paul, gives us some key advice, some wisdom on how to weatherize our souls during this and season of life. Anybody in an and season right now? Now, I don't mean everything's had manifested. I mean, you've manifested some things, but some other things, I'm in the end. I mean, some things have already come to pass, but there are some things I'm still in the end season, right? God is moving. God is working. God, this year has been a great year, but there are some things that I'm in the end season, right? Okay? So I want to go through these, uh, just four things real quick here. That, that uh, hopefully we'll get this in. All right. Verse 11, are you there? And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Number one, number one thing I want you to do to, to weatherize your soul is to get serious about the promises. Get serious about the promises. Tell your neighbor, it's time for you to get serious about the promises. He says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That word diligence comes from the Greek word spude. Spude, which means haste, Earnestness in accomplishing. Earnestness. Sincerity. Being serious about accomplishing, promoting, or striving after anything. So, in other words, I want you to get serious about striving after something. In other words, if there's a promise out there, don't just kind of be lackadaisical about it. Don't just kind of be you know, nonchalant and, you know, well, maybe. I know it's out there, but, you know, 
if it don't happen, I'm okay. No, see, you're never going to get anything like that. There's no Olympian in 2024 that's going to win gold by taking a nonchalant attitude about his training or her training. Right now, while you and I are chilling out or sleeping, they're training. For something, uh, you remember we, we read in 1 Corinthians 9, 24? If you kept going, it talks about how all those who compete, they compete for the prize. And it says they compete for a perishable crown. That, that when Paul wrote that, he was alluding to the Greek Olympics. The Olympics were around back then when Paul wrote that. And he talked about, if you remember in, uh, I think it was 2004, the Olympics went back to Greece, to Athens. 2004 Olympics were in, were in Athens. And they, they gave these wreaths to the winners, the, the, the gold, gold winners, they, gold medal winners, they gave them these wreaths. In fact, I think each person that, that actually um, medaled, they got a, a wreath. When Paul says that perishable crown, that's what he's talking about, that wreath crown. Are y'all getting this here? Now, anyone who's competing for that, they are temperate in all things. And they do it to obtain. What does it mean, temperate in all things? They start controlling how they live, how they eat, what they do, where they go. Because they're serious about that prize. So my first bit of advice to us, if we're going to get promises, is to get serious about the promises. Thank you, Lord. What are you serious about? I'm not talking about, you know, just anything. I'm talking about what promise are you serious about? What is it that you want from God that you're yet to get serious about it? We'll tell kids, oh, it's time for you to get serious about your education. Don't we do that? We tell them, oh, it's time for you to get serious about that. Well, when are you and I going to get serious about the process that we want from God? To the point that we become temperate. To the point that we get some self-control and start, start rearranging our schedules, start rearranging our, our patterns and our habits so that our lives are progressing towards that. Y'all don't have to get quiet. I'm not, I'm not beating you up. I'm not beating you up. Tell your neighbor, it's time for you to get serious. Got to get serious. You believe in God for uh, a long life length of days, you got to get serious about that. And it's going to make you temperate. You believe in God to be out of debt? It's not just an inspirational thought. It's not a hypothetical thought. If you get serious, God, I'm believing you to get me out of debt. I'm going to be debt free. Then when you get serious about that, it starts changing. You become temperate in your spending habits. Y'all quiet over in this Baptist church. You get temperate in all things. Hello, somebody. Thank you, Lord. 
1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, earnestly desire the best gifts. How many of y'all want the gifts of the Spirit that, that, that are promised to us? Well, he says you got to get serious about the gifts of the Spirit. Says in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, he says, earnestly desire to prophesy. Right? Paul said, I want you all to prophesy. Well, you guess what? It's never going to happen if you and I never get serious about it. If we get sitting around saying, well, the Lord want me to prophesy, he'll make me prophesy. No. 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 You know, you got to practice prophesying. Practice prophesying? Yes. Get in the Word. Start, start speaking the prophecies that are already in the Word. Y'all quiet. I'm going to keep going. Tell you never get serious about the promises. Number two, number two, he says, verse 12, that you do not become sluggish, do not become sluggish. What's another word for sluggish? Lazy. Lazy. So number two, after you get serious about the promises, is stay active in your pursuit. Wow. Stay active in your pursuit. Hallelujah. Yeah, you got to be consistent. You keep going. You don't, you don't get lazy and just take breaks on it. I better, I, better, I better say this. Because I don't, I don't know if we understand your faith is a force that you have to work. Faith isn't you making a wish, throwing a couple coins in a, in a wishing well in a fountain somewhere and twinkle, twinkle, little star. That's not how faith works. Faith is a force that you must work. So you have to get serious, engage your faith, and then stay active in your pursuit. That means you must keep working your faith. You must keep working your faith. There's a book Dad wrote, Apostle Derber wrote, uh, WAG, Words, Actions, and Gifts. Words, Actions, and Gifts. So if you're not sluggish, what words are you still speaking concerning that promise? Well, I confess 32 times. Okay. All right. Well, are you still confessing? Well, is, is confessing making it happen? No, confessing is changing you. Your confession doesn't make the promise happen. Your confession changes you. It keeps your faith Locked into the promise. So you don't lose your grip. So you don't slip. So you got to keep saying it. Financial miracles are happening in my life every day. But when the last time you said it? Oh, three of y'all, good. See, but what happens is, is if you don't keep that in your mouth, then your faith goes back into neutral. I might have to do a faith meeting with y'all. Your faith goes into neutral. You, you, you're not, you're not, you're, this isn't a wish, ladies and gentlemen. This isn't a wish. You're not wishing. You, your faith must be active. Working your faith. What actions are you doing? How many of y'all know that faith without works is dead being alone? So if you don't have any actions behind your faith, then, then your faith is, is back in neutral. 
It's dead. What are your gifts? Don't get quiet right there. What are your gifts? What seed have you sown concerning that promise? Y'all quiet up front. What seed have you sown concerning that promise? Well, I did sow that one time. One? You sowed once on that? Well, yeah, I sowed a seed. It's going to happen. So you're going to let your faith slip back into neutral. By not every time God brings it up, putting seed on it. See, I, 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 man, I, this, I might need a faith meeting for real. Because maybe, maybe I'm teaching over your head. Maybe I'm assuming you understood the mechanics of faith. You, this isn't wishing. See, when you wish, you leave it nothing for you to do. But when you're in faith, you must actively be working your faith all the time. Remember now, there's opposite pressure. And if you are not bringing the same high pressure against the enemy's high pressure, you're going to go through a storm. Woo-wee. All right, Lord, I have to do that, man. Okay. So stay active in your pursuit, okay? Let me keep going. I'm out of time already. All right. Um, that you do not become sluggish, but look what it says. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Number three. Now, number one was what? Number two was what? Here's number three. Don't innovate, just imitate. Don't innovate, just imitate. Notice it says here, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. What does imitate mean? Copy. Copy. Do what they do. Mimic. In fact, in the Greek, I think it's the Greek word mimeo, something like that, which, which where we get the word mime or mimic. You remember uh, growing up, we used to have mimeograph machines? How many of y'all old enough remember those? Six of y'all. The rest of y'all are so young. Mim- mimeograph machines where your teacher would send you down to the office to run off some copies. And they take the paper and put on it, and they, you had to turn that drum, and you, that ink smell would just, oh, we were, getting, we were getting high back there on the ink smell. Come on, I tell the truth, tell the truth, like, wow. Oh, you had ink all over your fingers. How many of y'all remember that? See, I'm going to remember the AV carts and stuff like that. Y'all don't remember that. Okay. We're telling on our age up here. Aren't we? So don't innovate. What does it mean to innovate? Innovate means to come up with a new way of doing it. A new or different method, a new or different style, a new or different way of doing something. But Paul said, if you want to obtain the promise, he said, don't innovate, just imitate. Other words, there are people who've already gone before you and obtained promises. You don't need to pave a new road. Just follow the road that's already been paved. If you see folk who have obtained promises, 
have enough sense to stop him and say and ask him, how did you do that? How did you get that? Don't be jealous and hateful and spiteful and envious. No, ask him, how did you get that? How did you get there? How did you overcome? How did you arrive there? And when they tell you, don't be hard-headed and prideful. Just imitate. Years ago, Mama Berta told my wife and me something that was so powerful. And uh, she said, you know what? People are going to work real hard to prove you that, that they, they, they know better than you. Or something. How she said that, that they, they, they can work hard to prove you wrong. In other words, other words, as pastors, we can model it and manifest it. But people are going to work hard to show you, oh, I got another way to do it. How, how dumb is it to be innovative when the path has already been laid for you? That's too much work. That's, that's, that's dumb. That's toil. That's working hard when you don't have to. If we show you how to do it, just do it. No, no, I think I'm going to try another way. I'm like, I got it, I got it, I got it, Pastor. Okay, let me know when you finish bumping your head. I'll still be here showing you the way to do it. You don't have to forge your own way. You don't, you don't have to come up with a new innovative. No, I, I think, you know, this, this 2023, we, we got new ways of doing things now. That's dumb. Because if it worked for Peter and Paul and David and Jephthah and Samson and, and if it worked for if it, and it worked for me and it worked for Leroy and if it worked, why do something different? As soon as Dr. Spock came out, not the Star Wars guy, Star Trek guy, Dr. Spock, the psychiatrist, whatever, came out with all his witty ideas on how to raise kids. Everybody got real stupid about raising their kids. Now we got a whole generation, multiple generations now of stupid kids. Now I don't mean stupid in the ignorant sense. I mean stupid in the sense that no common sense now. It's, When he said, no, you should never spank your kids. But the Bible said, the Bible said, man, but no, y'all want to be innovative in your child rearing. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to reason with my son. Not reasoning with no child. Reason with a child? That child ain't got the sense God gave a billy goat. That's a hard head and a ragged in behind. What am I reason with a child for? The Bible says foolishness is it bound in the heart of a child. And the rod of correction will drive it far from him. The Bible says if you beat him, you will save his soul from death. From hell, beat him. 
No, 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 no. No, that's not proper. Man. They're going to shame you one day. No, you, in other words, watch this. Don't be innovative. Just, just, just imitate. <laughs> Hebrews 13, verse 7 says this. Hebrews 13, verse 7 says, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you. That sound familiar? Anybody you know like that? Whose faith follow? Consider the outcome of their conduct. In other words, if you can look and see what results they have, just follow. Just follow. Don't innovate. Just imitate. Romans 4, 12 says that we walk in the steps of of the, of the faith which our father Abraham had while still circumcised. So there are steps Abraham, Abraham's faith. We can walk in those same steps. He left steps. Just walk, follow the same steps that Abraham walked in. He obtained. So if you want to obtain, just follow the same steps. Don't be creative. Be creative on other stuff. Get you some coloring, some crayons, some coloring paper have been Get you some fabric and be creative in that. But when it comes to obtaining promises, baby, just do what you see. All right, well, I'll talk to the rest of y'all the next time. Number one. Number two. Number three. Now, the last one I'm going to give you this right up front is this. Take comfort in God's integrity. Take comfort in God's integrity. The one thing, if you want to really get under my skin, you can talk about me and call me fat and call me all that. You can, you can, do, all that. You can do all that stuff. You can, you, can, you can say I can't preach and you can, you can, all that stuff is fine. But don't ever question my integrity. Years ago, we went through an exodus in 2012. A lot of people left the church. A lot of people left. And all kind of words, all, yeah, all these kind of exodus, all the kind of stuff, da 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 all, all lies. The thing that got to me the most was when somebody questioned my integrity. I don't, I don't care. You can say anything else about me in this church, but when you question my integrity, them, them is fighting words. When you question my integrity... When you say I'm not truthful or I lie, mm. see now, now I, I got I got a bush in your in your, in your throat because see because all I have is my integrity. I, I, I'm serious about my integrity. The Bible says when a, when a man walks in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. So I strive every day to walk in my integrity. Now, if I'm expecting you to trust my integrity, how much more should we trust God's integrity? That God cannot lie. That when I begin to question and get frustrated, in reality, this is what, how he dealt with me. In reality, what I'm doing is I'm questioning his integrity. Oh, 
This is, this is how I got my, my spanking here. That when I'm getting anxious and doubtful, what I'm really doing is I'm questioning my father's integrity. When I was a little kid, my little brother Julius and I, and my mom and dad would tell us something, especially my mom would tell us something she was going to do, and it seemed like it didn't come quick enough. And we say, Mom, and you say, oh, Mom, what are we going to do? She said, Did, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you I was going to? And we had to go sit down. Didn't I tell you? And what we were doing as kids were we were questioning her integrity. Yeah, that's what you get. Don't ask me no more. She tells me, you ask me one more time, I ain't going to do it. That's how the next thing, so we shut up then. <laughs> so let's look at this here. Look at this here. Go, go to verse 13. And let's look at God's integrity. And we'll wrap up here. Man, I, I hope to be done by now. For when God made a promise to Abraham, watch God's integrity. For when God made a promise to Abraham, what did he make? A promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater he swore by himself. You know, and people say, I swear on my mama. I swear on my firstborn child. <laughs> well, that's because you're dealing with men. But watch, watch what it says here. Because he could swear by no one greater, he put his own name on the line. There's no name higher, no one higher, no power higher. And so I'm going to swear on my own self. In other, words, in other words, if I don't keep my word, I must stop existing. And I'm Jehovah, the eternally existent one. So if I don't keep my word to you, I must shut down and not exist anymore. Are you catching this? This is how serious God is about his word and keeping his word. So as long as God still exists, then you know that your word is still working. Say that, but you're going to get it. You're going you're gonna, you're gonna to get it. Because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, now watch this, we see a promise, we see swearing. Saying surely, surely is a covenant word. Surely is a locked-in word. Surely a blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he, Abraham, had patiently endured, what happened? He so notice we must patiently endure, right? He obtained, he obtained, he obtained, he obtained, he obtained, okay? Verse 16, I'm, I'm dealing with God now. For men, watch this, indeed swear by the greater. Y'all ever sworn in this house? Tell the truth, yeah, you have, you have. You have, men indeed swear by the greater. Now watch this. And an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. So when you swear or make a promise, then follow it with an oath. The oath ends all questions, all arguments, all disputes. In other words, if... if if I said, Deke, tomorrow I'm going to give you $1,000. No, Pastor, are you sure? Yeah. If I said, Deke, I swear on my mama's grave. In his mind, that ends it. He's telling Pauline, we got $1,000 coming. We got 
We got $1,000 coming tomorrow. We about to secure that bag, baby. We got $1,000 coming tomorrow. No matter how much we had said before, when I swore and made an oath, he said, oh, that's it. Oh, he's serious. So the Bible says that when God made a promise to Abraham, he swore on himself, and then he made an oath for confirmation. And the Bible says that oath is an end of all dispute. What am I saying? When God has given you a promise, he's sworn by himself, he's backed it with an oath, there should be no more disputing in our minds. Casting down arguments, New King James says. King James says, cast down imaginations. New King James says, casting down arguments. What's happening in our minds when doubt and unbelief and anxiety and worry and frustration keep, keep, creep in there, we are now in an argument. Is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it? Is he still doing it? Is he not still doing it? Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And God is saying, I wish you would remember that I promised, I swore, and I made an oath, and that's an end of the dispute. So God says, as far as you and I are concerned, no more disputes. This is how he dealt with me in his last two weeks. Jonathan, no more disputes. No more arguments. No more questioning. No more questioning. Don't question my integrity. I promised it. I swore it. I confirmed it with an oath. That's the end of the, of the dispute. The argument is over. Tell you that, but you're going to get it. The argument is over. It's done. It's coming your way. It's going to manifest. Surely he that shall come will come and will not tarry. It's coming. It's on the way. You're going to get it because he said, I'm ending the whole dispute. Watch, 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 watch. Verse 16, for men indeed swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is, in, in, is for them in the end of all dispute. Verse 17, thus God, thus God, thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise. Are you an heir of promise? Determining to show more abundantly the immutability of his counsel. Immutability means unchangeableness of his counsel, in other words, what he proposed, that's what his counsel is, it's not about his advice, it's about what he has proposed, what he has spoken, what he has said, he said that to show the immutability of that, confirmed it, or the promise, by an oath. Verse 18, that by two what? Immutable things in which is in, it is impossible for God to lie. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. How many of y'all knew that already? But watch. He wants to make sure you know. So he gave two immutable things to make sure you knew he couldn't lie. Now, I've heard famous preachers all, all over the world speculate, hypothesize on the two things. And they talk about the bread and the wine and all these kind of things. Don't, you don't have to do that. It's in the text. The two things are in the text. It's not bread and wine. 
It is the oath and the promise. They're in the text. You don't need to reach outside the text to find what the answer is. They're in the text. He gave a promise, then confirmed with an oath. Those are immutable. The promise is immutable. The oath is immutable. The promise is unchangeable. The oath is unchangeable. Don't reach outside the text. It's in the text. That it is now impossible for God to lie. Once I have the promise, he can't lie. Once I have the oath, he can't lie. So now I have two immutable things. In other words, it's sealed. Tell your neighbor one more time, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. Now watch this. Watch this. Wrap it up. That by two immutable things uh, in which it's impossible for God to lie, we might have, we might have, we might have, we might have strong consolation, comfort in our souls. Oh, it's happening. It's happening. You ever order something online? And uh, when you get that confirmation number, you go, whoo, it went through. And, and, and if it was a company you never dealt with, when you get that tracking number, you're like, whoo, you got consolation, boy. It's on the way. This worked. So it says that by these two immutable things, we might have strong consolation, watch this, who fled for refuge to lay hold of the what? Hope, Hope that is set before us. Now remember, go back to Hebrews 11, you don't turn there, but in your mind. Faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for. So what faith Faith locks into our hope. Y'all got it? How many of y'all have hope for something? Y'all sleep? Y'all have hope for something? Now your hope is based on a promise. Now your hope is what pulls you. Your hope is what pulls you. Are y'all hearing me? Your faith locked into the hope, and that hope pulls you. Got it? You sure you got it? Because I'm about to show you something here that's going to bless your socks off. So we fled for refuge to lay hold of the what? Hope set before us. Now watch verse 19 and 20. This hope we have... As an anchor when the storm keeps on raging in my life. My soul has been anchored. Right? Now, we've seen that back in the church. But in reality, your hope gets anchored in the promise. In other words, your, the promise is not inspirational or ethereal hypothetical it's a reality to you faith is the substance the makeup of things not seen of things hoped for 
the evidence of things not seen. So my hope is locked into something. Oh, y'all got, y'all got this. My, my hope, my faith is locked into something. Ask your neighbor, what you got on your line? What you, that's not good English. What do you have on your line? What's, what's on your hook? Are you ready? You ready? Are y'all ready in the back? We're taking it home. Let's take it home. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, and which enters the presence behind the What entered the presence behind the veil? What entered the presence behind the veil? What? Your hope. My hope. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. This says your hope entered the presence behind the veil. Some of y'all, you'll catch it. You'll catch us by next Saturday. Your hope went somewhere. Oh, Jesus. What you're hoping for, ah, oh God. What you locked into isn't in la-la land. It went somewhere. It says it went, it entered the presence, capital P. Behind the veil. Come on, just hang on, 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 hang on. Your hope went somewhere. Where did it go? It went to see somebody. Come on It entered the presence, capital P. So we know this is divine presence, God, Jesus, behind the veil. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Are you ready, 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 ready? Verse 20. Where the forerunner has entered for us. Even Jesus. Hold on, you're going to catch this. So your hope went to catch up with Jesus. The Bible says Jesus is the forerunner, which means he went ahead of your hope. John the Baptist was a forerunner for Christ. Jesus is the forerunner for your hope. So all you hope for, he already went ahead and made it so. Are y'all catching this? Are y'all catching this? He's the forerunner for your hope. How many times have we read this? He says, your hope entered the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us. Even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now your word says in Hebrews 9 verse 11 that Jesus Christ is the high priest of good things to come. He's the high priest 
up good things to come. So when he went behind the veil, he stood there and stands there now as your high priest of good things that's coming to you. Oh, you're going to get it. So when you release your faith, you send your hope behind the veil into the presence where your forerunner has already set things up. Your forerunner has already paid the price. Your forerunner has already made the release. So now, when you hope, you're not hoping on nothing. Yes, sir. Come on, sir. What you hope for has already been covered by the one behind the veil. What I thought, I thought the veil of the temple was rent in two. That was the veil of the temple on earth. That was the veil of the temple on earth, which is only a, a, a type and shadow of the temple that's in heaven. So he still entered behind the veil and put the blood on the mercy seat. All that in heaven. So when you release your faith, your faith sends your, releases your hope to now go back behind that veil and have a little talk with Jesus. And makes it all right. That's how I know everything God promised me, I'm going to get it. That's how I know everything God promised you, you're going to get it. Tell somebody on your right and left, you're going to get it. Jesus already set it up. Jesus already made it so. Jesus already worked it out. It's already done. My hope went behind the veil, met with Jesus, my high priest, and said good things are coming my way. If you don't quit, if you don't draw back, if you don't throw in the towel, if you keep your faith active, you're going to get it. I said you're going to get it. Did you receive that? Give that a praise. Stand to your feet. Come on, give that a praise for that word tonight. Come on, give that a praise. Hebrews 10, I think it's verse 35, says, cast not away your confidence. It has great recompense of reward. Don't cast away your confidence. I'm confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in me shall perform it to the name of Jesus Christ. Everything I hope for, it's already done already done. If I can find a promise for it, or if God spoke it to me, and I know he spoke it to me, it's done. Stay in faith. Let your faith 
keep your hope alive. That hope is working. Hope entered the presence. Hope got into God's presence. Your hope's doing something. Why the devil tries to come and snatch your hope? Your hope goes and connects with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm not going to quit. And if I can help it, I'm not going to let you quit. Lord, tonight, thank you for the word we've received. Thank you, Lord, for the assurance that what we believe you for, it's already done. You gave us two immutable things, your promise and your oath. That ends all dispute. We know you can't lie. You settled all the arguments. It's done. It's done. And God, I ask that tonight, to every one of, our, of us, your people, you'd help us to actively, actively uh, carry out these steps. The Lord will be uh, aware of the promises that are made for us, the precious promises, and that knowing, we know that they're all yes. And we say amen to them. So be it. Be it unto us according to your word. God, all your promises, no matter how many there are, they are yes. God, whatever you said you will do, whatever you spoke, you'll make it good. Tonight, forgive us for questioning and doubting your integrity. Forgive us for that. Forgive us for that, Lord. Forgive us for that. <laughs> Just like when, Lord, you had to ask Sarah, why did you laugh? Forgive us for laughing. Forgive us for crying while waiting on the promise to manifest. I pray, Lord, that tonight we will be as Abraham and get stronger and stronger. Be strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. That we might also be as Abraham and patiently endure and obtain every promise. Thank you that we can obtain. Not just inspirational, but it's real, obtainable things for us. I thank you, Lord, for faith. Revelation of faith and hope. We pray that God, as we continue, Lord, as we obtain, we'll also leave a pattern for others to follow. Others can follow our faith, seeing the outcome of our conduct. That we, we can lead those who are trapped in darkness into the light and into your glorious splendor. We pray that this church will be filled with people who by faith obtain good reports, by faith obtain good testimonies. We won't give the devil any prime time talking about what he's doing and not talking about what you're doing. We're going to talk about what you're doing. What you're doing. What you're doing. 
in our lives and even in the whole world, we're going to talk about what you're doing. So God, we'll continue to give you the praise and the glory. In the honor of all these things, we do pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Put those hands together one more time and give God a praise tonight.